0: You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savvas Learning Company. I'm here with my colleague, Kelsey Jenkins, the Director of Math Product Marketing at Savvas Learning. Kelsey, who do we have as our special guest today?
1: Thanks, Walter. I'm so excited today. We have a true math industry expert with us, Marion Small, to discuss questioning techniques that uncover true student understanding in the math classroom. Marion Small is an internationally renowned mathematics educator, author, and professional learning consultant. She supports a constructivist approach to mathematical instruction in K 12 classrooms. Dr. Small, whose career in education has spanned more than four decades, is considered one of the most influential math educators in Canada. She has authored or co-authored more than 100 math resources and traveled to mathematics classrooms around the world to provide consultation focused on improving understanding and performance in K-12 mathematics. Marianne, welcome. It's so great to have you join us today. It's great for me too. So let's just jump right in. I am really excited about the timing of this podcast because I was able to join your session at September's NCTM conference in LA, Um, What Does Math Understanding Look Like? And I love seeing all the examples of questions that help students really understand the math versus just doing the math. And so I was wondering if you could just speak to us a little bit about the purpose of your session and why you wanted to focus your work on uh, meaningful questioning. Sure. Um. So obviously, because I'm
0: in math, I rather like it. And so I care a lot about how kids respond to math, not just how well they perform, but how much they... Feel like It's fun or it makes sense or those sorts of things as well. So I think one of the problems we've had is that we've had a lot of us educated where teachers taught us a whole bunch of rules that we had to remember. And some of us were successful, some of us less, some of us more. But we had all these rules and we were just unquestioning and said, yep, if you say so, sure, that's okay. Um, I think the problem with that is that A, kids these days don't do that anymore. They want to know why. But the yeah. other part is that if you don't really understand, you run into a whole lot of problems. So here's an example. Um I remember I recall I suspect that all of you remember that somewhere along the line, someone told you that if you were subtracting a negative, you should add a positive. And somebody told you that, and you were believing, and it was okay. And if I asked almost anybody I know who's an adult why that's true, I think almost none of them could tell me why, because my teacher told me is like the best I'm going to get. And, and a few people did understand, but most don't. Now, the problem with that is that if you have a whole lack of rules that you're trying to remember, a lot of bad things can happen. Um, you can mix them up. Like, I forget, is it that one or is it that one? Or you can apply it in the wrong situation. So I've actually had kids who remembered that a teacher told them two negatives make a positive, And they added negative three and negative three and said it was positive six. Because look, two negatives make a positive. So you kind of apply it the wrong way. Or sometimes you should use your rule, but you had no idea this is like one of those times because there was no teacher telling you like this is one of those times. We know from all kinds of research that if you understand something, it stays with you better. You better understand when to use it, when not to use it. And so just from a practical perspective, we don't want kids to forget everything we're teaching them. We want them to understand so that they can make sense of things, use things properly, and remember them.
1: Yeah, I love that. I have a like own personal. I like always have to remind myself by cross multiplying fractions (laughs) and things. Like I couldn't tell you why I had to look that up the other day because I was like, what is that thing." Um, no, so I love that. Um, so, how would you suggest, or what advice would you give teachers to kind of change the way they structure questions in the classroom to get at that understanding? Yeah.
0: I think it's complicated in a bunch of ways. First of all, you have to decide you really want it to happen. So you're actually talking yourself through the notion, I really want them to understand. I don't want them just to get me right answers. Like, I really want them to understand. And then you have to almost use models from other people because you haven't had many personal experiences where you see what kind of question would you ask for that to happen. So one of the things I've done for teachers that I share with is come up with a set of, I'm going to call them strategies that are pretty fail safe, that usually turn, um, just do the question into understanding questions. So here's an example. Um, I might ask a kid to tell me why eight plus five has to be as the same as seven plus six, but you're not allowed to tell me they're thirteen. So you can't say the answer, but you still have to tell me why something happens so this whole idea of oh, but you can't tell me the answer but you have to tell me why is one strategy that kind of works and it works in lots of situations or tell me why four sevens has to be more than two eights but don't tell me fourteen and don't tell twenty eight and sixteen tell me something else um another strategy that I found works a lot is asking kids to draw you a diagram or use a model to show you something rather than just write a calculation. So if I said to a kid, draw me a picture to show me what seven times four looks like that shows you whether they understand it or not, because if they can see 28, but can't draw the picture, they didn't really understand it. So that's another kind of approach, like draw me a model to show something. Um, Another thing I might do is give kids a calculation and say, you give me a question that I could answer by doing that calculation. So instead of saying what is six times eight, I'd say, give me a problem where I'd multiply six times eight to get an answer. And that tells me if they kind of knew what multiplication is all about. So that's another strategy that works, again, in many situations. And another one, and it's hard to describe it easily, but it's kind of like, how does knowing this thing help you know that thing? Because I think that's what a lot of math is all about. Like when you solve a problem, they tell you some stuff and you use that stuff to figure out other stuff. So it's always about how does knowing this amount help you know something else? So I might ask a kid, um, if I told you that three times eight is 24, how would it help, that help you figure out four times eight? Mm-hmm. And so they can't just tell me the answer. They have to tell me what the relationship is. Or if I told you uh, the average of three, four, and five, how could you use that to get me the average of 33, 34, and 35? So those kinds of questions are about relationships. And I think understanding often is about relationships in the mathematical world.
1: Yeah. And apply, maybe applying it to other, Absolutely. other areas. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So we know, you know, there are times where you want to make sure students understand or help them get to that, that deeper understanding. And we know there's also times where they need to be able to um, recall that and apply it and build that procedural procedural fluency as well. So what kind of advice um, between like, you know, questions that are aimed at student understanding versus questions that um, really make sure that they're starting to develop that procedural fluency. What kind of advice do you have for teachers who want to balance those two types of questioning in their classroom or during a lesson? And I think you have to balance it.
0: Um, And in different classrooms, uh, the balance is different because different teachers have different beliefs and personalities. So there are classrooms where procedural fluency has much more um, highlight than other classes, but there still has to be some understanding because that's going to help you remember things and that's going to build your fluency and so on. Um, if you look at the standards, they ask for teachers to work on procedural fluency, but they also ask them to work on conceptual understanding and when you apply math. So every teacher does have an obligation to do the balance. Um, I'm going to be honest and say that I would suggest that the balance is right now too heavily on procedural fluency and not enough on the other. But I recognize different teachers will make different choices. But I think all of us need to be conscious of the need for a balance and the value of a balance for kids' ultimate success in math.
1: So I have to say in your session, I was super engaged uh, with all of the different examples that you provided. And I was in an auditorium full of adults and I still was super engaged in elementary math questions. Um, so, have you seen this? You know, I know you're, you're in classrooms a lot. Um, in your experience, have you seen this strategy kind of change the level of engagement in the classroom um, for students? I'm sure I have, um, but you have to take care. So you won't get engagement if you
0: ask a question that kids aren't ready to answer. So you have to ask appropriate level questions given their background. And then if you do, you diff- you definitely do get engagement, but you have to have set a tone where that's a normal kind of question that I'm going to ask you. It's not like sounding really weird or something. And you also have to have a classroom where the relationship between kids and teacher is positive and kids want to do it because like they're trying to make you happy. And that's not a little deal. That's a big deal. So one of the things I see is when teachers do have good relationships with their students. And it's very obvious when you walk into a classroom very quickly how that goes. um, Kids are likely to be more engaged in general, but I think getting them to have their own opinions, to think about things, to be allowed to say, but I think this, um, definitely increases the level of engagement if they're ready for the question, and that relationship is there.
1: So, given that these questions help teachers assess student understanding, do you feel like these types of, um, you know, more deep questions or under- questions for understanding, um, do they serve as kind of a formative assessment for or an exit ticket for teachers?
0: I think they they serve both formative and summative roles. So, I think from a formative perspective, it definitely tells you. Like am I making am I making headway? Do the kids really get this yet, or don't they? Do I have to go back and figure things out? So teachers could use these questions as exit tickets, they could be hinge questions in the middle of a the class. There's lots of ways that they could use them in a formative way. but I would like to advocate for the fact that if a kid is really good in math or if a kid is being evaluated in math, um we should be evaluating understanding as well, so I think these need to be summative assessment experiences, and not just formative. So we aren't only doing this so that kids can be procedural. We're doing this so kids actually understand math. So we want to find out, do they or don't they?
1: You know, like I said, you had a ton of examples in the presentation that I saw, and you have a new book coming out called, Do They Really Understand? Um, So how does this book support teachers with their understanding questioning strategies?
0: Well, one of the things I've learned over my career is that teachers often will say to you, well, how did you think of doing that? And how did you think to ask that? And how did you think? So what I've learned is that what we all do is we start with models and then we build them into our own repertoire, personalizing them and make them sound a little bit more like you. So I am trying to provide teachers with, I believe it's something like 400 models of these kinds of questions. Like here's a question that's straightforward and this is how you would change it to make it an understanding question. There are many, many questions in every domain and for K-8. to And so when teachers get to see those as starting points, they get the feel for them and they have a place to start so that eventually they can kind of do it on their own.
1: Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I, what I really enjoy too is, is you have all of these examples for them to pick and use, but then you also give kind of what you described earlier, like these frameworks so that they can start like plugging the yeah. lane. I think that's exactly. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cool. That's great. So as we wrap up today, uh, Marion, is there any one last piece of advice you would give to teachers um, around this topic?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that um, I'm often asked why I continue to work as I do, even though I'm technically retired. And um, the reason I do it is because of the pleasure I get from a teacher saying to me, I love what you did. It's changed my teaching. I really get it now. I think every teacher could feel that way from the with the kids in their class if they kind of change these behaviors and if they help their kids feel that they were an important piece of the, the puzzle, if they help their kids feel like you really could understand it, I think those teachers could feel the same kind of pleasure I do.
1: I want to thank you for coming and, and sharing your ideas. Uh, we really appreciate you coming and joining. And we are so excited to continue to work and, and, and talk to you about your work and all that you do for the math community. So, Marion, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for having me. It was a delight.
0: Many thanks to all our guests for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This Moving Learning Forward series is presented by Savas Learning Company, a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Visit savvis.com today to request curriculum samples for your school or district. And you can keep the conversation going by following us on social media, at Savvis Learning, with hashtag Moving Learning Forward.